Okay, everybody. Welcome back. We are going to start with halacha for about 10 minutes, and then I will give what would have been my Shabbos speech, I guess, if uh, we would be in shul, even though the truth is my Shabbos speech, if we would be in shul, would probably sound different. It's largely due to our situation these days. <clears throat> so this week is Parashas Achrei Mois Kedoshim, and we're continuing with halachas of Lashon Hara. Last week, we began discussing the seven conditions that the Chavetz Chaim lists that are prerequisite for saying Lashon Hara Litayalas, to benefit someone. So we explained last week that often it's an actual obligation to say Lashon Hara, to be able to give over important information to someone to protect them from potential damage, uh, whether it's financial, physical, emotional. It's an obligation of Leisam Naldam Reacha. I think the Pasuk actually in this week's Pasha, you can't stand by while your friend is getting hurt, while your friend is suffering potential damage. So we went through the first four conditions, which were number one, you have to have verified the facts of the story, either firsthand information or some other way that you actually know for sure is true. Second, you have to think through the details that you did here to make sure you're interpreting, interpreting them possibly, uh, properly because very often, if you give it thought and you don't jump to any conclusions, it, you might come to a very, very different um, conclusion to what actually happened. Um, third, if possible, which is not always possible, but if possible, you are supposed to approach the person himself or herself. Number one, it's a good idea. This way you can get that person's perspective and that will often very much change the story. And secondly, if truly the person did do something wrong, perhaps if you talk to them, they will, they'll repent and they'll change their ways and they perhaps hadn't realized how other people view their action or they hadn't realized the, the consequences, consequences of their actions. So simply by talking to them, you can change the situation and it's not necessary to tell anybody about it. And the fourth one was that when you do say the story, you have to make sure to say it accurately without dramatization, without exaggeration, without embellishment. You have to say it exactly as the facts are, exactly as you saw it. So those are the first four conditions, which are easy to understand. They're easy to, 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 to see why those are conditions of saying Lashon Haralotelis. <clears throat> now, let's go on to the fifth condition, which is that's actually the most touchy of all these conditions. The fifth condition is, is that you have to have pure intentions. You have to actually be saying the Lashon Haralotelis for the purpose for the purpose of helping someone, meaning that you should not enjoy your friend's embarrassment through the whatever it is you're saying over, and or you should not speak because you intentionally want to hurt that person because you have hold a grudge against them, um, or because you're angry with them, or so you have some other issue with them. Proper intentions would include any of the following: number one, to help the wronged party. Uh, and obviously, if you say, have to be saying it to an audience who can help. Uh, number two, you want to help stop other people from getting harmed, or you want to stop other people from following this person's footsteps if he's doing an Avera, he's doing something wrong, they have the wrong Ashkafis. And even another pure intention, the Chavaz Chaim says, is if you're spreading a story, simply to stop the person themselves from doing the sin. Sometimes a person is doing an Avera, they are and influencing other people. And by talking about it and by decrying it, the person themselves will stop doing it. So any of those are called pure intentions. But if you have any personal grudge, if you have, any, uh, uh, you have your own axe to grind, then 
He says you can't say it. Now, let's just think for a minute, right? Let's say you uh, employed someone, a plumber, a contractor, anything, or any, any, any particular profession. And uh, it, it ended on a very, uh, the relationship, relationship ended up very rocky. You weren't happy with the work he did for you or you weren't happy with his service and et cetera. It ended up very, very rocky. And then someone else asks you about it. Now, obviously you have some, a personal issue with that person, right? And, and you're angry at them. And you're very happy to have the opportunity to prevent them from having business with anybody else. So, but on the other hand, you also need to save that other person because you don't want them to have to go through what you went through. You don't want to have them have to suffer with shoddy work or with someone dishonest or, or whatever other issues we're talking about, right? If you know someone, you, know, you have you had been in a fight with someone and, and for whatever reason, you, you, uh, you, you got into a dispute over money and you're both not on talking terms and then someone your close friend, a family member wants to do a shidduch with that person and you happen to know some information about that person which is very relevant. Maybe there's a medical problem that, that you know your family member or your friend doesn't know about. So now you're not allowed to say it because you have your personal issues, you have your personal grudges. Doesn't make sense. That's real. Are, 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 are we expected to, if, you know, if someone's drowning or if we don't have pure intentions, we have to let the person drown? Obviously not. So what's, what's the, how do we relate to this condition? The condition is that you have to have pure intentions, but what if you don't? Now what do you do? So what's expected of us? So there is two points here that to keep in mind. Point number one is that why is it that we have to, why is it that we have, to um, have pure intentions? So there's really two reasons. Number one is that if you don't have pure intentions, the likelihood is you're going to change the story. You're going to emphasize something. You're going to dramatize something. You're going to you know, make, you know, try to portray the person as bad as possible, not just sticking to the facts. So the way you can get around that problem is by talking it over with someone else. Obviously, if there's someone else who knows the story, that's the best. You can talk it over with them and, and they can give you good perspective of how to present this fairly and honestly and accurately. And even if the other person doesn't know anything about it, you'd be surprised if you tell a story to someone else who who is uh, object, uh, objective, and even if they don't know anything, they can tell very, very quickly how much of your story is probably the facts and how much is additions, how much is you know, your own feelings, how much your emotions are playing with the story. And that can really help you keep your story accurate, keep it honest, and keep it true. So that's the first thing we can do, and we're obligated to because we have to save the person. We have to help the person. We don't have the option of just standing by and not saying. We have to do something about it. Secondly, the second problem with not having pure intentions is that essentially we're doing an aver. We're saying Lashon Hara about something. The Torah allows us, if we have the right intention, we're, then we're not doing an aver, we're doing a mitzvah. We're doing a salmon al We're helping someone, we're saving someone. It's the opposite of Lashon Hara. But the difference is what your intention is. You're doing an aver or you're doing a mitzvah, it depends what you have in mind. If you have in mind the mitzvah, then it's a mitzvah. If you have in mind the aver, then it's an aver. So knowing that there's a mitzvah and there's a vera here, if we give it thought and we focus, especially when we do focus on keeping the information truthful and honest and to the point and without embellishment, without letting our emotion get into it, it will help us a lot having our heart in the right place and say, you know, I'm just going to be very careful to keep this to and not Lashon Har. It's hard, but that doesn't make a difference. 
It's a chiyuv. It's a deraisa. It's, it's, it's an obligation we have. So we have to work on it. And we have to be able to get past our own personal grudges to be able to say it in an honest, true manner and focus only on trying to help the other person. Now, of course, if there's someone else who can give over the information, that's best. Do that. Have the other person do it who doesn't have this personal issue. But a lot of times it's not an option. For example, if a close family member is asking you information for a shidduch, you have to be the one to tell them because they're not going to trust other people the way they trust you. If you have information that's important for them to know, if you know something that if you tell them that's going to be enough for them to stop the shit up, but that might only be if you tell them because they trust you. So that's why you can't just hand it over to someone else. It won't necessarily have the same effect. Sometimes if you were the one who personally had the issue with the, you know, that, that we're discussing, like with a contractor, it needs to be you who gives over the story with the details and with the facts so that the other person can make a good and honest decision, a well-advised a well decision on what to do. So it needs to be you. So you don't have the choice of handing over the information to someone else, and therefore you really have to work on it that, you're inform- that you do it with a pure intention. The Chavetz Chaim quotes a smack. That's one of the Rishayim who counted the mitzvahs, like the Rambam and the Chinuch. He also counted them. And he added many halachas while he's doing so. And the smack says a scary thing. He says that when someone does an Avera, that the Torah allows, right? So the most extreme example of that is Ritzicho, and you're allowed to kill someone if that person's trying to kill someone else. So if someone's running after a right, if he's running after someone else to kill him, you can kill him. You can do Ritzicho. Another example is you're allowed to be Machal Shabbos. If someone's life is at stake, right? You can break Shabbos if you have to save someone's life. You can drive to the hospital. And this is another case. You could say Lashon Hara, one is a Tealis. So he says about all of these things. He says that if, uh, if a, a person does what he was supposed to do, right? He kills the other person, he, he's Machal Shabbos, etc. And then at a later point, he does that very, he does Ritzichel, he's Mechal Shabbos, he says Lashon Hara very happily, without giving it second thought. So he's demonstrated that it didn't, it wasn't because he was allowed to be Mechal Shabbos that he was Mechal Shabbos. He was Mechal Shabbos because he doesn't care about Shabbos. He says then, that original Chal Shabbos, which essentially was allowed, will also be held against the person. So if a person says Lashon Hara, Litayelas, to, to help another person, but other times he says Lashon Hara because he doesn't care about Lashon Hara. The fact that that time it was Lutealis won't even help him. Hashem will count that against the person as well. So it's a scary thing. And we just see how important it is for a person to have that Yerushamayim to truly make sure his intentions are correct and pure. So Mirz Hashem next, next week will continue with the other two conditions and some more halachas of Lashon Hara. Now we're going to begin the Shabbos speech of Parshas Achim Mois So this parasha is called Kedoshim, which is the first commandment in the parasha, the first mitzvah, Kedoshim to you. Be holy, you be holy, you clearly shall be holy, because I, Hashem, am holy. What is this mitzvah referring to? What does it mean, Kedoshim to you? Be holy. How? How are you holy? So interestingly, there's many diverse opinions in Chazal and Rishonim. What is this referring to? The Bahag, who was actually the, probably the first to count the mitzvahs, uh, well, he was one of the Ga'inim. He counts this as a mitzvah. Kedoshim to you is a mitzvah. And the Rambam, in one of his Shurashim and Sefer mitzvahs, when he gives the rules for counting mitzvahs, takes issue with this because he says, Kedoshim to you is a very general mitzvah. It's not a specific mitzvah. It's basically a commandment to keep the whole Torah. It's, it's telling us you have to keep all the mitzvahs and this way you'll be holy. So you can't count a mitzvah which isn't anything specific. It's just basically telling you to keep the whole Torah. 
That's why he has this issue with the Baha counting Kedoshim to you as a mitzvah. The Ramban agrees with the Rambam that you can't count a mitzvah, that's just a, a basic rule for the whole Torah. However, he says the Pshat and the Baha, why the Baha counts Kedoshim to you is because Kedoshim to you is not the whole Torah, it's specifically referring to Loisa says, it's referring to. Rashi says it's referring to the mitzvahs which just preceded it, which are they not, the women you're not allowed to marry, all the chayvikrises, the arayas, the, the relatives that you, a man is not allowed to marry, a woman is not allowed to marry, and the Ramban himself says it's referring to the food we're not allowed to eat, the tray for food, which we talked about in Parashat Shemini, not kosher animals, uh, things that are unshechted pas, uh, properly, um, so all those are, is those specific mitzvahs which the Torah is telling us, Kedoshim to you, be holy, refrain from trade for food, refrain from the women you're not allowed to marry, refrain from the relationships you're not allowed to have, and there, thereby you'll infuse yourselves with Kedusha and you'll have, be Kedoshim, you'll be holy. And that's this mitzvah, and that's why it could be counted. That's what the Ramban says. He compares this, the Ramban says, he compares this to Shabbos, which we know has many negative commandments. Right? The 39 malachas that you're not allowed to do, yet the Torah says Tishbais, which is a positive commandment. Do something. Be shavis, be rest. But it you don't actually do anything. You just not do something. So Kedoshim to you also. It's a positive commandment to be holy, yet what we're doing is refraining. We're not doing something. Now, in, co- in order to be able to understand this myth of Kedoshim to you, which now we see the Rishayim basically agree, it's a commandment to refrain. And that's how we get Kedusha. We, it's a positive commandment to not do something. The Torah, interestingly, follows it immediately with three mitzvahs. And each of these mitzvahs are finished or concluded with Ani Hashem Aleikeichem. The same way this Pasuk finishes with Ani Hashem Aleikeichem, I am your God, Lord. These three mitzvahs also are finished with the same quote. What are they? They're the mitzvah of Yiras Av Aim, Esh Imei Ba'av Fearing Your Father and Mother, Esh Tishmayru, the mitzvah of keeping Shabbos, and then don't turn to Abba Dazar. And if you look at them, they all three have that in common with Kadeshim to you that they're all mitzvahs, and yet they're mitzvahs that command us to do by refraining. What's the mitzvah? Fear your father and mother. How does a person fear his father and mother? Rashi brings it down. The Rambam says, the Gemara says, you fear your father and mother by not contradicting them. <laughs> Perhaps the hardest part of Kibbut Aveim. Don't contradict your parents. Don't sit in their place. It's all don'ts. It's all not doing something. By not doing something, you're fearing them. How do we keep Shabbos? How do you, how do you watch Shabbos? How do you keep Shabbos? By not doing things, by resting, by not doing the Amitaz Balachas, by not turning on lights, by not driving your car, by not using your cell phone. That's how you keep Shabbos, by not doing something. And Al-Tifnu Al-Alilam is fascinating because it's also talking about something which is not really in action. Al-Tifnu Al-Alilam means don't even turn to Abay Dazara. How do you turn to Abay Dazara? So Chazal says different things than Chazal. One thing Chazal says is don't read the inscription under an idol. Don't even read it. Don't look at it. That's called turning to an idol, even reading that information. Or, Chazal say, it means even in your mind, don't consider the possibility of idolatry. That doesn't mean that a person can't think about contrasting the falsehood of idolatry or trying to think it through to be mechazik his own amuna. What it means is don't consider it as an option. Don't think about idolatry. You know, maybe 
maybe I should be getting into idolatry. That's al tifnu al Both these things, they're not actions. Looking is not called an action halachically, and thinking is certainly not an action halachically. And these are three things the Torah uses as examples how to create Kedush, how to make ourselves whole. Let's try to understand that. When Hashem offered us the Torah in Pashas Yisrael, He told us two things that will happen when we accept the Torah. First of all, we're going to become Mamleches Kehanim. And secondly, we'll become a Goy Kaddish. Mamleches Kehanim means a kingdom of Kehanim who serve Hashem. And secondly, is Goy Kaddish, a holy nation. Now, Mamleches Kehanim is really what the Parashiyas have been talking about up till now. The parashiyas of Shmois after Matan Torah is basically about building the Mishkan, a place to serve Hashem, to bring Karbanas. After that is Vayikra, Tzav, that was all about all the Karbanas that we bring. That's Mamlechus Kehanim. It used to be all of Klai Yisrael was able to be a Kayan. All of Klai Yisrael could serve Hashem, do Avaida. They could either, on a, on a Bama, outside of the base of Mikdash, everybody could, and once the base of Mikdash was built, technically the firstborn of every family would have been able to do Avaida. We did the eagles, so now the, our representatives are the Kehanim. But we're Mamlechus Kehanim, the whole nation are Kehanim who serve Hashem, and we have representatives, those are our Kehanim. That's what was talked about up till now. Now the Torah is beginning to explain to us, Goy Kaddish, we want to be a holy nation. How are you a holy nation? The way we're a holy nation is by not eating non-kosher animals, not eating insects, not eating non-kosher birds, preparing kosher animals properly, shechting them, getting rid of the blood. All the women you're not allowed to marry, the relationships Jews aren't allowed to have, by understanding what we can't do, by refraining from all these things that Hashem commanded us not to do, we become a Am Kaddish, we become holy. And it's interesting because we don't always necessarily appreciate that. How do we typically think? We want to bring Kedush on our own. What's our ultimate goal? Our ultimate goal is that we should be holy. Our families should be holy. Our children should be holy. Our homes should be a holy home. That's what we want. That's what we try to create. And typically we think of the way we create holiness in our home is through what we do. We eat matzah, we have a Pesach Seder, we have Sudas Yante, we have Sudas Shabbos. And nowadays, we're doing a lot more at home than we ever used to. We daven at home, we learn at home, we put on talis and tefillin at home, we zoom at home, we do everything at home, right? So we're, that's how we look at creating a Kedusha environment. Look how much holiness we're bringing into our home by all these mitzvahs, and it's, it's certainly true. And it undoubtedly does. But that's not the key to holiness. That's not what opens the door to holiness. The real key to holiness, the Kedusha of Ayyid, is in what we don't do. We as Jews are more defined by what we don't do than by what we do. If you think about it, what are the three big things, the three big ones, right? It's Shabbos, Kashris, and Taharas and Mishpacha. Those are all things we don't do. Kashris is what we don't eat. Shabbos is 99%. The Lamatas Malachas, what we don't do on Shabbos, the Malachas we don't do on Shabbos, not being Mechal Shabbos. And Taras and Mishpacha is essentially Prisha, separating. People think of Jews that way, right? The Jews don't eat Ganan kosher food. They don't marry, they don't this, they don't that. It's what defines us as the Am Kaddish. That's what makes us a holy nation. To help us to relate to what Kedusha is, think of our situation today. We're home. There's no shul. There's no school. We're together with our families. 
There are many things we can't do, which we were doing previously. We're going out to work, going out to school, going out to shop, going out to eat, going out to simchas. And these are all important things. They're a big part of our lives, but now we're not doing any of those. Now that we're not doing any of those, what has happened? Our home environment has completely changed. I mean, so much so, I can't wrap my head about it, around it. Each day finishes and I say, I can't believe that this is the way we just spent our day. It's surreal. But the removal of all these distractions, the removal of all the other things, the leaving the house, the getting out, the doing things, all the removal of all of that, I hope, for most people, has intensified the bonds of our family. Our relationship has become that much stronger, that much more powerful. I mean, we have to be there for each other. We have to provide moral support, emotional support, physical support, IT support. We have to be there for each other. And we are. And we're with each other all day. And we concentrate and focus and appreciate each other. So the not doing, the not going out, the not participating in everything else has created a relationship, has intensified a relationship has brought new depths to relationship that we didn't even know were there. The Pasik spells out, why is this so important? He kadosh ani, because I, Hashem, I am holy. We want to relate to Hashem in this world. That's what we're here for, to relate to Hashem, to connect to Him. And certainly in the world to come, we want to be the ability to connect with Hashem, bask in His presence. The Messiah Shisham says that that's the greatest pleasure a person can have, is to Connect to bask in his shechina. But to do that, we have to have something in common with Hashem. I mean, imagine two people go on a date and they have nothing in common, absolutely nothing in common. What interests one person bores the other person to tears. The other person's conversation makes the other person fall asleep. They have totally different backgrounds. They have no emotional level ground, right? That's a bomb. The first date, it's over from the first minute. You can't connect. You have to have some place to connect. You have to have something in common, some connection point. So how do we connect with Hashem? What do we have in common with Hashem? Hashem is not physical in any way. He has absolutely no guf, 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 nothing like a guf. There's nothing physical about him. Do we think like Hashem? Pasik says, My thoughts are a whole different world, different universe than your thoughts. So how do we connect with Hashem? The answer is, You want to know how to connect with Hashem? I'm holy. If you're holy, we can connect. That's where we connect. We connect with Hashem in Kedush. The level of holiness a Yid could reach is so intense, so significant, that Chazal say, uh, uh, a mind-boggling thing on this passage. You might think that you, Klal Yisrael, have the ability to become as holy as me. You can become as holy as Kodesh Baruch Hu. Talmud Loimar. So the passage teaches you, No, I am the holiest. And you can become holy, but not as holy as me. Now, just... We can't even wrap our heads around this. What does that mean? There was a havamina. There was a thought in Chazal that we could become as holy as a Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's mind-boggling. But regardless, that's the level of Kedusha we can reach. And that's how we connect to Kaddish Baruch Chazal say, Yosha v'loy avra You sit and you don't do an avera. Mala olav hakasev ki'ilu ki'imitzah. The Torah considers it as if you did a mitzvah. Someone sits back and doesn't do it. He refrains. It's as if he did a mitzvah. Equal. 
The Gras says, famously, it's become a song. He says that if a person holds himself back for one moment from not saying Lashon Hara, he's to a schar that even the Malachi Hashoris can't begin to comprehend. No one can comprehend it. Ravel Lapianz, the Tal, used to say, and I find this a tremendous chizik when we're struggling with something. He would say, you know what the Grom means? He means like this. You have this juicy piece of Lashon Hara to say, and you have someone to say it to, someone who you know is going to enjoy it. So, so you, you, you struggle. You want to say it. And you say, okay, no, no, it's Lashon Hara. I can't say it. It's not right. You, you hold back. You try. You think. And another minute goes by, and you say, okay, you know what? I, I, I'm just going to call him. And you, you pick up the phone. And you say, no, you know what? I have to. I, I can't do this. It's wrong. You put down the phone. And another minute passes by, and you just lose. You, you give in to the HR, You pick up the phone. And you make the phone call. Now, Rebbe Lapian says it doesn't make a difference, the fact that you lost in the end. Those two minutes that you did restrain yourself, those two minutes that you held yourself back because of your Shemayim, you were zeicher to a schar, she'en kolber yachos, and then even Malachim can't comprehend. It's powerful. And it, it's such a powerful thing to keep in mind when we're struggling. That each moment of struggle is worth it. We don't even know what we're gaining from those moments of struggle. We're creating such kedusha, such connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that even Malachim can't comprehend that, that, that connection. Tikadoshani. Typically, it's difficult to relate to the loisaseis, not eating treif, not marrying certain relatives. Essentially, they're chukim. We don't always see the accomplishment in not doing something. We're not holding something in our hand like a matzah, a lulav, sitting in a sukkah that we built. But they do accomplish something positive. They create something and they bring us to Kedushan. The Pasik brings us three mitzvahs. The three mitzvahs I mentioned, yiras, fearing your parents, keeping Shabbos, and not turning to Avodah Zarah. They define how to restrain yourself, how to create an environment of Kedusha, and how they will bring us closer to Hashem. They help us understand it, and they teach us how to do it. And this is the key for all of us. This is what we need to focus on. Three things. Number one, and interestingly, this would be the last one we would think, but really this is the first one. Identifying all the things that we don't do anyway, like not eating treif, like not turning on a light on Shabbos, Doing it, having in mind that I'm doing Avedis Hashem. We're doing it, right? We're not eating trade. But do we think about it? Do we realize that we're exercising Yira Hashemayim? It might not be the biggest test. It might not be the biggest design, but you're doing a mitzvah. And by not eating trade, you're bringing Kedushan to yourself because you're doing Yira Hashemayim. It gives context to your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch That's number one. And perhaps the most neglected and the most important of bringing Kedushan to our homes. Number two is removing distractions, taking away all the things that prevent us from focusing on Avaitis Hashem. And number three is keeping Tumah out of our environment. And this is the most common thing people turn, think of when they think of Kedusha, is to keep all the Tumah out to make our homes into holy homes. So let's think of the first mitzvah the Torah gives us. The Torah gives us the mitzvah of fearing a father and mother. We understand that having yira, having fear for our father and mother, which means not contradicting them, not sitting in their place, not calling them by their first name, it gives context to the relationship between us and our parents. If we would call our parents by their first name, if we would treat them like a friend, perhaps we would have a nice friendship, perhaps a very intense friendship, but we would lose the whole nature of the relationship between a child and their parent. 
without that element of fear, without that element of respect, there's no context, and then that changes the whole nature of the relationship, and we lose out on it, and we don't have it, we can't appreciate it. Without giving the proper yura and, and respect to our parents by not contradicting them, not sitting in their place, without that yura, then it's not a father-son relationship, it's not a mother-son, it's not a mother-child, father-child relationship. This Yirah Shemayim that we exercise by not doing all the things Hashem commanded us is essentially not contradicting Hashem's words. Hashem told us to do something and by listening, we're not contradicting Him. And that creates Yirah Shemayim. It gives context for our relationship to Him. It's the olive base of having a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch. It's, so to speak, not sitting in His place. Shabbos is the ultimate in Kedusha. It's Shabbos Kaddish. What else is called Shabbos Kaddish? Even Yom Kippur is referred to as Yom HaKaddish because it's Shabbos Shabbosim. Shabbos is the, the only day that has that definition of Kaddish. What makes it Kaddish? What makes it so holy? Is it the Sudis? Is it making Kiddush? Is it the Zmiris? They definitely contribute to the beauty and the honor and the covet of Shabbos. But we all know that's not what creates the Kedusha of the day. Even if we're fasting, because it's Jim Kippur, even we can't eat, whatever. I was in the hospital, in the ICU. I was surrounded by total chol. The nurses were coming in, turning on the light, turning off the light, taking blood, operating the machines. I was hooked up to machines. There was nothing shabbos about my environment, but I felt Shabbos. How did I feel Shabbos? Because I wasn't Mechal Shabbos. I didn't use my phone. I didn't turn anything on. I didn't turn anything off. Keeping, refraining from being Mechal Shabbos creates the Kedusha of Shabbos. And I think particularly in these days, and I'll speak for myself, our days are consumed by technology. We're running from Zoom to Zoom. We're wrestling with failing internet, failing computers, emails, text, WhatsApp messages. We're looking at memes. We're watching everybody's chachmas and videos to combat the intense boredom. And when Shabbos comes, it's such a welcome relief from all that. We finally are free. By not doing something, we create a beautiful and holy and uplifting and spiritual environment by refraining from doing what Hashem has commanded us not to do. Keeping Shabbos is creating an environment of Kedusha just as we're creating a special environment with our families now because we've cut so many things out. Shabbos cuts that all out and now we have an environment that we can have Kedusha with the Kaddish Baruch. We can have relationship with the Kaddish Baruch. We can thrive. Just as our relationship with our family is hopefully thriving in this current situation, Likewise, Shabbos is a day with Hashem alone. It's a day dedicated to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That is why it's Shabbos Kodesh. And with Shabbos, is Ani Hashem Alekech, and that's what the Pasuk finishes with. Ish Ani Hashem And that's how you could have me as your God. You can relate to Hashem because you've experienced that condition. And then the Pasuk brings the third concept to beer, which is the third so important to have Kedusha in our homes, is don't turn to it. Is our Al-Tifnu al Even by simply reading an inscription, even by just thinking about it, we can bring so much Tumah into our, our hearts. Just engaging our mind. And think today how relevant that is when just a glance can bring busloads of Tumah rushing into our mind, looking in the wrong place looking at the wrong website, looking outside in a place where we shouldn't be, I think we can comfortably say that today, the level of, of Nisoyim that that is, the level of a test that that puts us in, 
I think the same thing the Gross said about Lashon Hara, I think we could say for this, that if a person sits and doesn't look where he's not supposed to, he installs the correct technology to protect himself, protect his family, protect his home. He does all that he can to keep that Tumma away from him, that moment by moment was Zaycha to Schar, that's unfathomable. I, 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 I think I can say that very comfortably, that that's such a tremendous Nisayin, holding back from that will grant us tremendous Schar. Okay, Tahara works overtime on that. So and practically speaking, I think this is a good place to begin. Let's zoom in, no pun intended, on some of the says we do, some of the, the, the negative commandments that we're doing anyway, and let's start emphasizing, talking about it, discussing it, realizing how that we do, and we don't do them, and other people do. The non-Jews, they go on a trip, they don't have to think for a second about food. They go, they know, they'll stop by some rest stop and go to McDonald's and they'll eat. And we, we can't leave before we have truckloads of food in our car. It's Yerushimayim. It's That's what it is to be a Jew. It'll strengthen our amun, it'll strengthen our Yerushimayim, and it'll infuse us with great Kedusha. Let's appreciate the time we're in now, how, what it does with our relationships. And let's appreciate Shabbos, where we have that kind of time with HaKadosh Baruch Hu alone. Let's start utilizing it as a day to grow our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And lastly, let's protect our families and from the tumor that threatens to come in and wreck our holy lives. The examples the Torah gives, Yiras, your father, of your father and mother, keeping Shabbos al all teach us how to bring Kedusha to such a great length, such a great extent that you could reach the Kedusha of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's how we can connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. May this chus of Kedusha let us be zeicha to become once again not only a Goy Kaddish, as we were told on Harsina, a holy nation, but once again a Mamlachas Kainim, a nation who serves a Kaddish Baruch Hu in the base of Mikdash. Amen. Have a good Shabbos.